welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. I do encourage you to check out our other podcast. In particular, I want to highlight our Volume 1 feed, which contains episodes from our first season. Eventually, we'll have all of Seasons 1, 2, and 3 available for your listening pleasure. We have uh, new episodes added to the feed every day, and you can check that out over at volume1.greatdetectives.net. Also, remember that the Great Detectives uh, Sherlock Holmes book giveaway continues. Just go over to giveaway.greatdetectives.net to enter for a chance to win original G. Washington Coffee Radio Premiums. Check it all out over at giveaway.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for a previously uncirculated episode of Defense Attorney. The original air date, August 28th, 1952, and the title is George Bauman. Ladies and gentlemen, to depend upon your judgment and to fulfill my own obligation, I submit the facts, fully aware of my responsibility to my client and to you as defense attorney. And now, transcribed, we proudly present Miss Mercedes McCambridge as defense attorney. When Martha Ellis Bryant chose law as a career, she accepted the challenge of defending the defenseless. George Bauman was one of the defenseless, a bartender who was hardworking and pleasant until his wife's past, another man's memory, and a million-to-one chance combined to threaten him with conviction for murder. Your Honor, I submit that it was possible for George Bauman to forget the face he saw only once. I maintain that George Bauman shot and killed Louis Arpet in defense of himself and his property, and that in no way did the emotion of jealousy play any part in the killing. And I ask that you find George Bauman not guilty. The chance of a meteor killing a human being is infinitely small, but it has happened. George Bauman killed a man and found later that just so great a chance had crossed their paths before. Yes, George Bauman was one of the defenseless, the victim of chance, a chance that could happen to anyone. Now George Bauman sits in a cell of the county jail and confesses to killing a man, but he maintains his innocence of the crime of murder. You say that you killed this man in order to protect the money which was entrusted to your safekeeping. Well, sure. He, he threatened me. He told me to give him the cash or he'd shoot me. Do you know anything more about why the police are holding you here? No. All I know about why I'm here is that well, the man didn't have a gun like he said he did. Yes, but you thought he had a gun. Well, sure. He had his hand in his pocket and he said he had a gun. But you didn't see a gun. No. Were there any other witnesses? 
Some customers sitting at the bar. Did anybody else see a gun? Well, I don't know. Did anybody else hear this man threaten you? I don't know that either. He's talking kind of low and threatening. Yes, like... maybe you'd better begin at the beginning and tell me all that you can about exactly what happened. Oh, that's sure. I remember it all pretty well. It wasn't a very busy night. I was tending bar as usual. There's only a couple of men in the bar. Down towards the end. I just gone down there. Uh, how you doing, fellas? Ready for another one? No, I got plenty right now. We're going home after this one, so I guess you can't sell us any more, George. <laughs> it's all right with me. I feel like taking it easy in now. You're the one about the elephant who couldn't remember where his trunk was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hiya. I'll be with you as soon as I wipe my hands. <laughs> yeah. All right, what do you have? I got a lug in my pocket, and it's all ready to go off. Huh? You heard me, bud. I got a gun in my pocket. Do like I say, or I'll blow your head off. Well, what do you want? Money, mister. What else? Take all the bills out of the register, wrap them up in one of those paper napkins, and shove them across the bar. Uh, yeah, okay. And don't forget, mister. I'd as soon plug you as not. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, what, you what, get? what did you do? Hey. He was trying to stick me up, but I got the gun out of the cash drawer. Hey, wait a minute. Watch out, fellas. He's got a gun. Uh, he ain't gonna hurt nobody. He's dead. Then when the cops came, they looked this guy over, and he didn't have a gun on him at all. The cops talked to Bert and Joe and, and said they'd have to hold me and check up on me. I feel terrible about shooting a man that didn't even have a gun, Miss Bryant. You can hardly be blamed for defending yourself and the property entrusted to you. And the fact that you called a bluff can't be held against you. They got me in jail, haven't they? Yes, Mr. Bauman, but I think they'll be forced to release you once they've checked your story. Marty! Hey, Marty! Hi, Jeb, darling. What are you doing here? I just dropped in to see Ed Letus. Got quite a story. New slant on a client of yours. Oh, what? Well, it seems that the dead Louis Arpet was once divorced from a Bertha Green. Who's she? Bertha has been married to your client, George Bauman, for the last 15 years. She's been what? It's simple. Bauman was jealous of the man he shot. Oh, Judd. I think that will sound like murder to the DA. Bauman didn't tell me any of that. Judd, I'd have sworn he was telling the truth. Well, maybe he just wasn't telling the whole truth. <laughs> You've got to believe me, Miss Bryant. I, I didn't know until you just now told me that it was Louis Arpet I killed. I, I only saw him once, right after Bertha and me was married. And what happened then? Well, he, he just came around to bum money from Bertha. I told him to leave, and he went. That, that's all honest. And you haven't seen him, not even a picture of him since? No, no, not even a picture. I, I couldn't describe him if you'd offer me a million dollars. All right. I believe you, George. And I'm going to do my best to help you. But circumstances against you. And I know District Attorney Sam Clark well enough to know that he'll prosecute this case as murder and use jealousy as a motive. But I haven't seen Louis Arpet since right after Bertha and me was married. You can ask Bertha. She'll tell you yes, this. Yes, I will. And until your case comes up, don't you answer any questions for the police unless I'm here to guide your answers. Yeah, all right. Well, could I call Bertha? I'd like to talk to her. Yes, George. I'll tell the sergeant on the way out. Well, thanks, Miss Bryant. <laughs> 
Hey, Marty, over here at the curb. Yes, darling. Would you give a working girl a lift out to 1722 Elm Drive? Sure, I'd love to. Did I keep you waiting very long? <laughs> Only half an hour in a no-parking zone in front of police headquarters, that's all. Hop oh. in. <laughs> Maybe the press card in your window kept you from getting a ticket. No, they just know I have an in with a good lawyer. Reporters should be considered automatically guilty, and me, I'm lazy. I like to defend the innocent. Oh, then you'll drop the guilty George Bauman? It's going to be a murder charge now, you know. How did you find out so fast? The report just came into Lieutenant Leader's office. Now, easy, Counselor. Don't forget, I've got printer's ink in my veins. Now, how about your story of the Arpet murder? In the first place, it wasn't murder. It was justifiable homicide. Oh, no. The country's most beautiful attorney is also the most soft-hearted. Mm. So Bauman tells you that he didn't recognize the man he killed, and you believe him, right? Yes, I believe him. And if you start coloring this up as a murder in your paper, I'll sue both you and your publisher. Good, good. If you win, we can get married on the proceeds. Oh, oh, oh. here's the address. Yeah, yeah, okay, Counselor. Right. Shall I wait for you? You bet. And buy lunch. Bye. Yes? Mrs. Bauman, I'm Martha Ellis Bryant. I'm your husband's attorney. Oh, yes. Please come in, Miss Bryant. Thank you. I hope you'll excuse the way the apartment looks, but I just haven't felt like doing anything. I understand, Mrs. Bauman. I didn't sleep all night. Then George just called me and told me the man he... The man who was killed was Louie. Yes, I know it must be quite a shock to you, but I thought maybe if we could talk, we could clear up a few things. I'll tell you anything that will help, George. I just can't believe this thing has really happened. It's like Louis come back to haunt us. We haven't seen him for almost 15 years. And then this happened. Are you sure that your husband hasn't seen Louis for all these years? I know he hasn't. He would have mentioned it if he had. My first marriage was one of the few things George and I have argued about. Do you mean that after 15 years you still had arguments about your first husband? I, I, I know it sounds like George is a jealous man, but it really isn't like that at all. But you did argue about Louis Arpet. Yes, but not about Louis as a man. Well, it's hard to explain. You see, my marriage to George started off all wrong. What do you mean? Well, I didn't tell him I'd been married before. I know now it was a mistake. I didn't want anything to spoil our happiness. But your husband found out. Yes. Louis had been coming around when George was at work... He'd want a couple of dollars or so. Kept saying he'd tell George about our marriage. So you kept on giving him money? Yes, and then one night George was at home when Louis came around. He answered the door, and Louis told him who he was. I tried to tell George it wasn't true, but it was too late. And what did George do? Oh, I can't remember the exact words. He told Louis to get out, to stay away from us. That's about all I can remember. Did George threaten Louis Arpet at that time? No. No, he just told him to go to stay away from us. He didn't say anything else. So far as you know, that was the last time George saw Louis. Yes, Miss Bryant. Mrs. Bauman, I'm going to defend your husband, because I believe him. The case against him is built on circumstance. It's not going to be easy to prove that your husband didn't murder Louis, our pet, because of jealousy. But on the other hand, it won't be easy to prove that he did. You believe George, and I believe him, but what can we do? We can do our best to make sure that 12 other people believe him.
Martha, do you mean to sit there and tell me that you believe that Louis Arpet walked into that bar and tried to hold up the bartender without knowing that it was George Bauman, the man who married his ex-wife? Sam, the element of chance lies in their having known each other, not in the aiming of the bullet. I thought you denied that they knew each other. I wish you'd stop trying to trap me out of court, Sam. I said that George Bauman met Arpet only once. I also said that in the 15 years between meetings, it would be hard to remember what our pet looked like. Mm, jealousy can be a good memory stimulus. If Bauman was jealous, he was jealous of the condition of Bertha's having been married before. It was the condition, Sam. It was not the man our pet. You can't shoot a condition. You can shoot a man. And the best man to shoot is one who isn't carrying a gun. But George thought he was carrying a gun. I don't believe it. And I'm going to see to it that a jury doesn't believe it. There's just too much circumstance in this case to have it anything but murder. Premeditated murder at that. Sam, you're trying to hang an innocent man. Martha, I remember people I met 15 years ago. People who made an impression on me. All right, Sam. You bring your memory to court because I intend to make this case one that you'd like to forget. Okay, Judson, let's go. How did it go with Sam Clark? Uh-oh. See by your face how it went. Not good. Sam was his usual vigilant self. But I got an idea. That's nothing new, but it sounds like work for me, the way you say it. It is, darling. Sam hasn't always been a DA. About 15 years ago, he was going to law school. And if we could just check... Check to see if he cribbed on his bar exam? Oh, darling, be serious. If we can find out enough about Sam Clark's past associations, he may be the one to free George Bauman once we get him in court. Marty, Sam is the DA. He isn't on trial. He may be before this case is closed. In just a moment... We'll continue with tonight's defense attorney story. Now everyone can have kissing sweet breath. Everyone? Yes, because now you can enjoy Clorette's candy mints. These new candy mints are rich in chlorophyll, that marvelous green purifier. Clorette's candy mints are delicious, so refreshing, so minty, so very good tasting. Yet, as I said... Clorette's candy mints are rich in chlorophyll. And Clorette's candy mints make your breath kissing sweet in seconds. It's amazing how fast your breath becomes fresh and wholesome, even after onions, garlicky salads, heavy smoking, or a telltale beverage. Now you can enjoy Clorette's candy mints or chewing gum. Try both. Both are delicious. Both are rich in chlorophyll. Both make your breath kissing sweet in seconds. Get Clorette's candy mints or chewing gum. C-L-O-R-E-T-S. Clorette's, only 15 cents everywhere. And now we continue with Act Two of tonight's defense attorney story. Joel Potter, take the stand, please. 
Marty, the man you wanted me to find for you is in the first row there. Where, Judd? The dignified-looking man with the gray mustache. His name is R. Fenley Baker. Thank you, darling. I knew you could do it if anybody could. Don't thank me. You don't know it, but you're paying his round-trip plane fare. I got a feeling it'll be worth it. State your name, please. Uh, Joe Potter. Here goes Sam. Full thank you, Mr. Potter. Now, will you tell us in your own words what happened in the bar as you saw it? The night that Louis Arpet was murdered. Objection, Your Honor. The question assumes a fact not in evidence. I move that the word murdered be struck from the question. I suggest that the question read, the night that Louis Arpet was killed during his attempted robbery. The move to strike the word murdered is sustained. The suggested wording by the counsel for the defense is overruled. And I must warn the counsel against such counterattempts at coloring the record. Mr. Reporter, the substituted word will be killed. Jury will disregard the murder term. The witness will proceed. Uh, well, me and Bert, that's Bert Fraser, he's sitting right over there. Yes, go ahead. Me and Bert come in the bar from a union meeting, and, well, we got a beer at the bar. You were standing at the bar then? Yeah, yeah, down towards the end, and, and this guy that uh, got shot came in, he says something to George, kind of quiet-like. George frowns, and then he turns around and opens the cash register and pulls the gun out and shoots this guy twice. Watching closely. Well, yeah... Bert was telling a joke that I heard before, so I was kind of looking around the bar. Did Louis Arpet make any threatening gestures that you noticed? Threatening? No, no, he just stood there. Is this... Is this a picture of the man who was killed? Yeah, yeah, that's him. Thank you, Mr. Potter. Your witness, counsel. No questions. No questions? Your Honor, ladies and gentlemen of the jury... You have heard both Joe Potter and Bert Frazier testify that George Bauman shot Louis Arpet without provocation. Your witness, counsel. No cross-examination. I hope you know what you're doing, darling. Sam is building a heavy foundation. George, you're more worried than George is. Isn't that right, George? Well, it doesn't sound too good to me, Miss Bryant. But you've got to tell them I didn't know who he was. I didn't just shoot him because I was mad at him. I believe you, George. You've got to trust me. Your Honor, with this last witness, the state concludes its introduction of evidence. Very well. The defense will proceed to the case. Thank you, Your Honor. Ladies and gentlemen, since the defense of this case has been somewhat irregular, I believe I owe you an explanation. I did not cross-examine the witnesses brought forth by the prosecution, the men who witnessed the killing... Because it was all too obvious that Louis Arpet would make every effort to keep casual observers from knowing he was robbing the defendant, George Bauman. He was undoubtedly extra cautious since he was not carrying a gun. You have also heard evidence that George and Bertha Bauman had quarreled, and even though Louis Arpet may have been the subject of some of these quarrels, is it not probable that Mr. Bauman has long since ceased to be actively jealous of this man he met only once? Fifteen years ago? Your Honor, the prosecution objects to the attempt by the defense to change the connotation of the testimony of the witnesses. Objection overruled. Proceed to the defense. Which brings us to the question around which this case revolves. Could George Bauman fail to recognize Louis Arpet? I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, how many times have you been stopped by someone on the street or in a store and had that person call you by name and you exchange pleasantries with him? And when you part company, you cannot recall his name or exactly where you met him. Now, with this in mind, I call my first witness, the defendant, George Bauman. Mr. George Bauman will take the stand. 
You sound as well talk to the whole truth and nothing but the police. I hope you got it. I do. Mr. Bobbin, I know that you are an honest man. And I have every confidence that your honesty will show through to the ladies and the gentlemen of the jury, in spite of the obvious efforts to make you appear otherwise. I also understand your feeling of remorse at having had to kill a man who threatened your own life. And the defense, therefore, will ask you just two questions. First, did you shoot Louis Arpet because of jealousy? No, I didn't. Second... When Louis Arpet came into the bar before or after you shot him, did you recognize him as the man who had been married to your wife? No. Thank you, Mr. Bauman. Your witness. George Bauman. Why did you kill the defenseless Louis Arpet? Well, well, I, well, he was aiming a gun at me. Gun? That's strange. No one else saw the gun, and the police couldn't find in his pockets a weapon any more deadly than a streetcar token. No, no, he, he had the gun in his pocket, or I thought he did. He said that yes, he had the gun. Yes, yes, we understand. You shot and killed this man because you thought he might have a gun in his pocket. Yes. Didn't it occur to you as odd when you fabricated this story that a man who was attempting armed robbery wouldn't carry a gun? Objection. The implication that the defendant lied is leading and confusing. Sustained. Very well, Your Honor. We will abandon that question. Mr. Bauman, you realize, of course, that there are thousands of bars in the United States of America. These bars are frequented by millions of customers. Do you presume to assault the credulity of the court and jury with the idea that of all these bars, the man who has been the object of your wrath for 15 years walked into the very bar where you work at the very time you were on duty to rob you without a gun? Do you wish to insult the intelligence of every man and woman listening by expecting them to believe that? Well, yes. Furthermore, no, I, and I, I far don't... more important, how did you expect your supposed faulty memory to help you? Did you want us to swallow your story of not remembering what Louis Arpet looked like? Is it conceivable that you can suddenly forget the man about whom you have been shouting in absentia for 15 years? Yes, it's true, it's true. That is all. You may step down. Well, here goes, Judge. I think we're ready for him. Good luck, honey. Thank you. The defense requests permission of the court to introduce at this time a special exhibit. Introduction of exhibits is proper procedure. There is no need to request special permission. Thank you, Your Honor. I sincerely hope you hold to the same opinion after seeing the exhibit. Would the distinguished gentleman in the first row approach the bench, please? Certainly. Your Honor, I introduce Exhibit A for the defense. Uh, Miss Bryant, do you mean to say you intend using a, a, a person as an exhibit? If it please the court, I do. This is highly irregular. If this gentleman has anything to do with this case, he should be placed upon the stand as a witness where he can be properly questioned. I do not intend to question the exhibit, Your Honor. I only wish to question others involved in this case regarding the exhibit. Miss Bryant, Miss Bryant, I do not quite understand how it is that whenever you come before this bench, you manage to depart so completely from regular procedure. However, in this matter, the bench will recognize your request until at least we can find out what your intentions are. Strictly honorable, Your Honor. Uh, proceed then, please. But I warn you, Miss Bryant, unless your conduct shows this stunt to have bearing on this case... The entire procedure will be ordered stricken from the record. Thank you, Your Honor. 
First, I would ask your honor a question. What is it? Do you recognize this gentleman, your honor? Should I? No. No, I never saw him before in my life. Then I would ask the witness, Joe Potter. Do you know this man? Uh, no. Perhaps the defendant himself, Mr. George Bauman, can shed some light on the matter. George, do you recognize this man? No, I don't. Uh, Your Honor, I object to this fantastic behavior. Miss Bryant has now established the fact that no one connected with this case knows this person whom she chooses to introduce here as an exhibit. Since she is merely attempting to establish who does not know the exhibit, I object on the grounds that it is a waste of time. I imagine there are a hundred million people in the United States who do not know this man. Objection is overruled. Perhaps you can assist us, Mr. Clark. Do you know this man? What? what why, certainly not. Uh, Your Honor, the defense has now established that the exhibit is a complete stranger to everyone in this courtroom. Perhaps she will now request a 15-year recess while we test her ability to remember the assembled crowd. Order! Order! Your Honor, I call as next witness for the defense the gentleman previously introduced as Exhibit A, Mr. R. Fenley Baker. Mr. Baker, take the stand, please. Mr. Baker, the prosecuting attorney states that you are a complete stranger to everyone in this courtroom. I do not believe that is true. Do you know anybody here? Yes. Who is the person you recognize? I recognize the prosecuting attorney, Sam Clark. Why, what is Where this? Where did you know him? In college. How long ago was that? About uh, 15 years ago. Under what conditions did you meet? I object, Your Honor. Under rule. Proceed, please. I would say the conditions were violent. I was head of the committee that initiated Sam Clark into the fraternity. I'm afraid I was a little overzealous in administering the paddle to him, for after that he was known as uh, Singing Sammy Clark. Your Honor, I object. These are cheap theatricals in a court of law. Order. Order in this courtroom. Objection overruled. Proceed, Counselor. Your Honor, ladies and gentlemen, I feel that we have proven it is possible for a man to forget... Even our able and intelligent prosecuting attorney who did not recognize a fraternity brother. The prosecution has dealt rather heavily on the proposition that George Bauman could not have forgotten a man he saw only once 15 years ago. Yet Sam Clark can forget a man who 15 years ago was his fraternity brother. People change in 15 years. I do not believe Sam Clark did recognize Mr. Baker. But if it is possible for him to forget such a well-known acquaintance, I submit that it was possible for George Bauman to forget a face he saw only once. I maintain that George Bauman shot and killed Louis Arpet in defense of himself and his property, and that in no way did the emotion of jealousy play any part in the killing. And I ask that you find George Bauman not guilty. George Bauman, since the jury finds you not guilty due to the act with which you were charged being declared justifiable homicide, 
I release you from custody. Court adjourned. <laughs> oh, I... I don't know how to thank you, Miss Bryant. I'm so I'll do the thanking it. for you, George. Oh. Maybe I can talk her into coming in for a drink sometime. Hey, any time. They're on the house any time. See there, Marty? Now, if you can defend a grocer and a light and power company and a real estate agent, we can get married and live for practically nothing. Judd, <laughs> Judd, if you marry her, you're insane. How would you ever win an argument? Ah, that's easy. I'll buy a gavel. You ever notice how the judge manages to get in the last word? <laughs> I should have thought of that. Oh, oh, excuse me. There goes Baker. I want to take him out to meet the wife. One thing you've got to say for Sam, he's a good loser. Yeah, I was watching him. Marty, I do think you're a little tough on old Sam. I don't know. A couple of people in court who wouldn't agree with you. Name one. The defendant, George Palmer. You have just heard Defense Attorney, starring Mercedes McCambridge with Howard Culver as Judd. Tonight you heard Bill Boucher as George Bauman, Jan Arvan as the District Attorney, Mary Lansing as Mrs. Bauman, Peter Leeds as R. Fenley Baker, and Parley Bear as the Judge. Music was composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Defense Attorney was written by Rick McClune and William Yeager. The program is directed by Dwight Hauser. Chasing fire trucks may seem thrilling, but not if they're racing to your home. Watching fires may be exciting, but not if your home is burning. When fire strikes at home, it carries with it no excitement, no color, only disaster and stark tragedy. And the most tragic aspect of all is that 90% of America's fires are caused by carelessness. 90% of the fires which kill 11,000 persons and which destroy $700 million worth of property annually can be prevented if we follow the rules of fire prevention. Remember... There's no gambling with fire. These rules are, one, never smoke in bed. Two, clean out old newspapers. Three, repair defective electrical equipment. Four, use cleaning fluids that won't burn. And five, be careful with matches. Don't gamble with fire. The odds are against you. Next week, another exciting transcribed adventure with Mercedes McCambridge, defense attorney. Be sure to listen. This is Orville Anderson inviting you to stay tuned for the original Amateur Hour with Ted Mack, the man who gives so many youngsters their start to stardom. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the American Broadcasting Company. Welcome back. Well, we don't get too many courtroom uh, stories on uh, the great detectives. And so when I came across this one uh, floating around, I decided it'd be an interesting one to play. It is a good thing that that prosecutor is a good loser because if you're the type of prosecutor who will take that sort of case and try to make first-degree murder out of it, you'd better be used to losing. Uh, talk about overcharging. Of course, uh, an actual lawyer could probably take more than the runtime to pick apart all of the legal issues, although some of them are truly the limitations of trying to 
a tell a story in a half hour format. So it's probably a bit more understandable the amount of argument that might go in a closing or opening statement rather than argued repeatedly. And it was an odd situation when one of the grounds for our objection to the cross-examination of Bauman was that the question being asked was leading when I, even I know you're allowed to ask leading questions during a cross-examination. I mean, I, I think the biggest problem was that the uh, problem questions were argumentative, but there's quite a bit of that going on in this case. Of course, the big reveal, the exhibit turned witness that she said she was not going to call as a witness who revealed gaps in prosecutors memories is something that i think folks listening in 1952 would not have questioned in a fictional work in fact a similar trick was used in the beloved classic Miracle on 34th Street, which may have been an inspiration for using that sort of thing in this episode. Whether it would work in an actual courtroom is another matter, but I hope folks uh, enjoyed our little foray into a sort of legal case from one of our series. All right, well, uh, now let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Doug, Patreon supporter since July 2021, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support, Doug. Well, that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell to be notified whenever we add a new episode. Now, we did have some series that were planned to play on Tuesday, but we got so many uh, previously uncirculated episodes of Mr. Chameleon and then Defense Attorney and Sherlock Holmes that we were not planning on. So we will be moving Martin Kane and Meet Miss Sherlock to season 15. But do join us back here next Tuesday for This is O'Shea. But coming up tomorrow, listen for Dangerous Assignment where... He was run down by a car and is now in the hospital unconscious. You think it could have been an accident, Janakas? I am certain it was not. It was a deliberate hit and run. Several shots were heard. That is all we know at present. Here. Hmm? You may be interested in looking at these pictures. Oh. Taken at the scene of the accident, huh? Yes, immediately afterward. You recognize any of the faces in the crowd, Lieutenant? No. I have a pretty good line on most of the agents and information peddlers here in Athens, Mitchell. But I don't see any of them in these pictures. Come in. Oh, good morning, Mr. Thatcher. Hello, Lieutenant. Let me introduce a colleague of yours. This is Mr. Steve Mitchell, also a freelance correspondent from the United States. This is Jim Thatcher, Mr. Mitchell. Pleased to meet you, Mitchell. Hi. What can I do for you, Mr. Thatcher? I came to talk to you about this guy, Zundel, who got run over last night. What about Zundel? Well, I don't know if you know much about his background, but he's a sort of a shady character. Indeed. In what way, Mr. Thatcher? Well, I've been cultivating him off and on for the past few months. Once in a while, he's given me information I was able to use in some of my stories. Well, lately, he's been pretty evasive, but uh, I got the idea he was involved in something big. What sort of thing? I don't know. That's why I came here. 
Figured you might have some sort of line on it. I'm afraid I cannot help you, Mr. Thatcher. Well, I won't take up any more of your time, Lieutenant, but if you do get any information about Zundel, I'd appreciate you letting me in on it. I'm sure you will have access to any information which is made public, Mr. Thatcher. Okay, I'll keep in touch with you. You going to be in Athens long, Mitchell? Oh, a few days, I guess. Where are you staying? Lyceum Hotel. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.